Well, hello, good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening. Either way, happy Monday and welcome back to your soulful goddess, beautiful soul. The Your Soulful Goddess podcast is the place where open minds and open hearts can come together to talk about, explore, discover, and find new ways in which to heal, grow, and fully step into their true potential and power. As always, my name is Safa and I am your host. I am an intuitive healer and it is my absolute pleasure to bring a unique interview to you today. As we are honoring the space of International Women's Day and Month by taking a closer look at a topic that is near and dear to many of our hearts and helping me to really look at generational trauma is a wonderful, wonderful guest. Her name is Angela Reese, and she was born in Southern California, but her soul accompanies her roots in Mexico. She is first generation in the U.S. on her dad's side and second generation on her mom's side. At nine years old, she began to write and it never really stopped. She aims to write beautiful stories that will open up minds and expand worlds, including her own. And that's exactly what her book, Where Silence Ends, help us to do. It's such a phenomenal read. If you haven't heard about it, well, get ready because this is just really, really good stuff. And you can get it both in English and or Spanish. So yeah, so much good stuff. But you know what? Why don't I let the author tell you more about it? Here joining me on this beautiful day is the one and only Angela. Hello, Angela. Welcome to Your Soulful Goddess. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Oh my gosh. I'm legitimately very, very, I know I say this with all of my guests and it's never going to not be true. So every time I say it, it's true, but I'm so excited specifically for this conversation just because your energy is so powerful and it just evokes so much divine feminine essence that I can't wait to get in there. But I will let you introduce yourself to the listeners, tell them a little bit about yourself, your work, and of course, the big topic, right? The reason, one of the big reasons we are here to talk together today, your beautiful book. Absolutely. Yeah, so hi everyone listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, my name is Angela Ruiz and I am uh, the author of a nonfiction memoir that I wrote together with my mother, Mary Ruiz. And the title of the book is called Where Silence Ends. And it is a memoir following four generations of uh, really trying times actually starting in Mexico in our hometown in Michoacan and ending in California. It does mainly follow my mom's life and is a, it's a brutal story, right? It's a very intense story. And I try to write it with as much light as possible because it is a story of generational trauma and generational healing and specifically um, following my mom's abuse that she encountered and infronted with her father who sexually abused her, physically abused her and mentally abused her. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I, I do my best to filter in the light that lived and all the love that lived in our lives as well. Because although it is a very harsh story that started really generations before us and before my grandfather, um, there was just also so much joy in all of our lives. So I, I hope, I really hope that the readers feel that and that it comes through in the story. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess a little bit about myself. I'm, I'm from Southern California, born and raised. First generation on my dad's side, second generation on my mom's side. Um, both of our families happen to be from the same small town in Michoacan. And uh, let's see, I currently live in Switzerland, all the way over here. It's <laughs> snowing today, which is gorgeous. <laughs> um, and I also work uh, with psychedelics for mental health, which is actually the way that I was pushed into writing this book was through an ayahuasca journey that I did. Um, so that's just a little fun fact for, for people. Oh, we are totally diving into that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, that's awesome. Angela, one of the reasons I wanted you to come on the show was I just a lot of us have really stepped into our power in speaking about these stories lately. You know, I think there's been a resurgence of the, what would I call the fire essence of the goddess in terms of no more, you know, that big collective cry for enough is enough. So I've yes. been just really resonating with all of these voices, speaking up and standing up for what's right and really shining that light into the shadow and all of this. What's interesting is that I feel as though there's still a bit of a disconnect for us as humans in understanding that this is very much a generational thing as well. So it isn't we do understand trauma and abuse from an outsider's perspective and sometimes from an insider's perspective as something that is perpetrated upon us, but we don't always realize that there is a whole patterning, a whole generation, a whole thread of even, let's call it energetic dissonance really pouring into these spaces especially when it comes to the abuse being in the family itself and how that changes dynamics. But also, like you said, there is this balance between that and the light and the experience and the growth. And I also love that you co-wrote this, right, with your mom. I mean, I just think it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing to share because it isn't easy it wouldn't be easy to sit down with your parent and have this conversation and really break everything down to get to the bottom of this topic in order to heal. So I'm really very much amazed by that. We'll love for you to share a bit of what you've discovered in terms of that generational healing and that generational patterning. Absolutely. Um, you described that so eloquently. Thank you for that. I, <laughs> I love that. Um, and you're right. I think there still is a disconnect of knowing our history, generations behind us, and knowing the truth of stories, of harsh stories even, um, 
especially harsh stories actually, because people don't want to talk about these things. And I understand why you know, it's uncomfortable, but the truth is that the moment we speak the truth is the moment that we begin to liberate ourselves and future generations. Because if we can open up to the conversation, then we know at least how we can step into the future and manage and avoid certain trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that's how, that's how trauma is broken, right? Trauma is, is passed down through generations because of emotional, emotional, I don't want to say baggage, but emotional hardship mm-hmm. that we carry through in our bodies and that affect us physically and they're passed on to the next generations. And maybe we don't know why we feel a certain way about something or why something in our body hurts, but it's usually because of A, something that we went through in our life or B, something passed down through the generations that's been traumatic and hasn't been spoken about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where my mom did a beautiful job in helping us break that silence when she decided this is where silence ends in my life. And this is where I'm not going to allow it to perpetuate into this next generation. Mm -hmm. And she already knew, you know, her and her brothers knew it's going to affect our generation, their children's generation. Um, But they were going to try and put a stop to it as, as much as they could. And that to them meant opening up about the topic and talking about the topic, um, actually coming out and essentially putting her father on blast to the world with the truth, Mm -hmm. um, which was very, very necessary. And you see in the book that she, uh, it, it took her a while to actually break her silence and to decide enough is enough. And I won't get into the details of how she decided to do it and why and, and the things that happened around that, that pushed her to make that decision. Um, but there are some, some very inspiring and tumultuous stories in the book that show her journey into actually speaking out mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, What's beautiful is that she first came up to me when I was 16 years old and I'm in my thirties now. And she, when I was 16, she mentioned to me randomly that she'd like to write the story of her life with me one day, because I've always written creatively. I've always kept a ton of journals pretty meticulously. And I just loved writing Mm -hmm. since I was young. Um, So when she mentioned it to me at that point, I, I, I definitely loved the idea and I, it, it definitely planted the seed in my brain and my body to one day actually allow that seed to grow and flourish and get to the point where we were going to write the book. And eventually we did, you know, 16, 17 years later. Um, so that, that was, I just, I always love that because it's definitely been a long time coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that for so many different reasons. The first is it's almost as if 
by opening her soul and her heart up to you in that moment, even just by using those words, she was manifesting this, you know, she kind of had thrown it out into the universe and said, this is happening. And the fact that you were able to lean into it and honor it versus just let it stagnate or peter off. I mean, that's powerful. But then yes. also, I'm super curious. And I would love to know if it's okay with you if you don't have to if it's not comfortable, but would love to know what that experience was like of sitting down and really co creating this really powerful book with your mom. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's one of the most beautiful things of this entire process is the conversations that I had with my mom, with my dad, my sister, my brother, and everybody, my uncles, aunts, cousins, because in reality, though my mom and I are the ones who uh, wrote this book and she is the protagonist of the story and most of my conversations were with her, I actually ended up speaking to 17 different family and friends. Hmm. And that right there began something special within the family and within our familial community. Because this topic up until the moment that we decided to write this book and I started interviewing people about it, we had not spoken about it to one another. Myself and my cousins had here and there. Um, and my siblings and I definitely had always kept it an open conversation, but now it's, you know, the lid is opened at a completely different level. I mean, it's completely off, you know, rather than kind of coming off and closing and, uh, you know, so it's that, that is something super special. And I think you can feel the shift in healing and in the lightness that people feel. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to just, I don't want to give the wrong impression that, you know, you open up to the truth and everything is liberated and you feel light. Cause that's not the truth either. Right. There's definitely a lot of pain that comes with processing the truth and with opening that, door completely. Um, And there's definitely stuff that I'm still processing even now as I push the book out and talk about it. And, you know, I've been in go, 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 go mode and writing this book, getting it published, editing, everything that comes along with writing a book. And I think I have moments, big moments ahead of me still where I'm going to get slammed with something to process, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether it's fear, anxiety, joy, uh, liberation. Um, but I'm definitely slowly feeling the, the, uh, the comfort in my own skin to talk about this conversation a lot more. And that is a very powerful thing to stand in because when you can talk about trauma a little more seamlessly and easily, and it, it's not stuck in your throat or in your body, mm-hmm. you know, you do, you, you feel a little weightless and that is, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's incredibly important. And thank you so much for sharing that because I think 
sometimes we do get lost in this idea of change and healing and transformation being almost like a, a permanent solution or a very quick fix it. As a matter of fact, it's funny because we've had several conversations to that effect this season on the show. So I will just really thank you again for saying that and remind the listeners, I know that sometimes it feels like an insurmountable amount of healing that needs to be done but step into it with the knowledge that it's just ever changing, ever flowing, ever just evolving. And what it does is it allows us to shift one little bit at a time. It doesn't always have to be a huge, huge thing. It can be just one small breath, one small conversation, one small moment in time. And like you said, that doesn't mean that things are kind of like perfect and that's it and everything's like, you know, roses and unicorns and it's not. I think sometimes we fool ourselves into believing that that would be ideal, but the truth is we grow so much more when we can be with it as it changes, as it evolves, as it shifts and presents itself again. And it's like you said, one day you've had this great epiphany and you're like on cloud nine and the next morning you may find that you are now confronting some other part of your shadow. And that's great. That's where the shadow work really comes in, where it's not so much about othering that space, but really embodying yourself in that space, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that kind of reminds me of, um, I was having a conversation with my cousin, with Sam, who you've interviewed here. And I, we were talking about forgiveness because forgiveness is yet another step of liberation mm-hmm. in trauma and abuse that's happened to you or to someone you love. And forgiveness, just in the same way that healing is, it is, like you said, everlasting and ever changing. Mm-hmm. And there are layers upon layers. And the way that I thought about it was that it's kind of like the ocean, right? If you're standing on, if you're standing on the sand where the the waves are coming and crashing, you can be standing there and one day a wave will come and crash at your feet. And that is like a slam that overwhelms you with either healing or an epiphany or a moment of forgiveness. And then it washes away and it will always stay with you. But that doesn't mean that another wave isn't going to come back and crash at your feet again and add to that healing and add to that same point of forgiveness where you had thought like, oh, I, because forgiveness also isn't this one time thing and Mm -hmm. one moment where you say, oh my gosh, all of a sudden now I forgive and Mm -hmm. that's that and let it go. It's a process as well. And I think a process where at different points in your life, you always learn new ways of loving yourself to heal yourself, loving your community to heal your community or forgiving yourself, um, forgiving your abuser and just forgiving situations in life that have affected you. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the new image that I hold in my head when it comes to healing and forgiving is standing on the sand with the waves coming and crashing at my feet 
and just being slammed with something and then, you know, it washes away and we'll always come back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it will, but with something new and that's what's so beautiful about it. But yeah, I, I love that in the sense of forgiveness as well. And just as a reminder that it's, a constant flow, a constant dance, and it's a constant choosing too, to step into those spaces with just different awareness and in different ways. And also that it does come from a place of self-love. You know, can you love yourself? Can you be gentle enough with yourself, loving enough with yourself to hold space for the forgiveness? of not just the other person, but sometimes I think we do get caught. And I say this because I actually very recently discovered this about myself. So the work again, (laughs) yes, I am a coach and yes, I'm here to help and everything, but I do the work too daily. So sometimes I find stuff out. But anyway, I discovered in the process of of forgiving a particular person and situation that what had actually gotten me stuck was I hadn't loved myself or forgiven myself for showing up kind of as I did in that moment and for the situation happening. It was almost like I was blaming myself, victim blaming ourselves, which we do so much along with like the spiritual bypassing and the emotional bypassing and the disconnection. So, I mean, that open door, keep that door open. But I love the imagery of the ocean, right? Keep sinking your feet into the sand and every time that wave comes in, explore it in a different way or feel it in a different way. Yeah, Um, yeah, because it's so much worth, there's so much worthiness there. And it's all internal. At the end of the day, it's all about us. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a powerful one that you're talking about and forgiving yourself, because that is something that I have had to also uh, begin to learn how to do with Mm -hmm. specific situations in life. And, you know, when there's trauma involved, there's (laughs) so many layers (laughs) (laughs) and forgiving myself is one that I often have to come back to and remind myself about, um, because there is this sense of feeling like in one moment you can forgive yourself. And then maybe a few months down the line, you kind of start to lose that feeling, right. Mm -hmm. Or that knowledge that you had done that. And it's a reminder, it's a practice Mm -hmm. that you need to sit with and, um, you know, make rituals out of it, whether it's daily, um, weekly, monthly, whatever it is that helps you stay centered as a person, Mm -hmm. figure it out and do it and do it as often as you can, because it's, it's always a positive thing that will help you flourish, whether that's meditation, whether that's plant medicine, whether that's um, therapy, I mean, dancing, music, whatever it is, just look for that, find it and hold on to it and and practice it. Yeah, practice. It's a huge word. I think we take it for granted a lot. I think we do throw it out there maybe a little bit too much in some ways, but yet at the same time, not hold it in the space that it needs. Like for me, that comes so, so (laughs) obvious in the yoga practice. You know what I mean? Everyone's always like, oh, yoga practice. 
And it cracks me up because we, we don't seem to tap into the truth of, yeah, it is a practice and it changes. And today you touch your toes and tomorrow you can't. And, you know, it's just an ever evolving <laughs> like this. Life is ever evolving. All energy, all life, all fruition, all rebirth, all change or all healing is ever evolving. If something isn't changing or evolving or moving, it is stagnating and i'm sure that the listeners have heard me say this a billion times before but i will say it again stagnation leads to death and a death that doesn't give rebirth so that's the one that we want to look out for oh i like that mm -hmm. <laughs> that's great yeah i yeah. like that you repeat that in your podcasts <laughs> yes it's a message that comes through a lot and it's definitely a lesson that i teach to my clients a lot and my students over the years it just keeps mm -hmm. showing up and it keeps showing up by the way not just for everyone else but for me it's a good reminder you know watch yeah. it where are you stagnating where do you need to move why is this petering off where's the level of fake comfort because that's the other thing yeah. is you get very comfortable quote unquote and that's a place you got to look out for if you're really that comfortable there's probably something you need to <laughs> closer look at and it's so easy in today's world modern world especially with so much technology to get comfortable mm -hmm. uh, and just very easily be distracted by our phones our computers yeah and not fully grasp what that's actually doing to our bodies by not taking the time to, you know, just to, to be with yourself yes. <laughs> without all of that. With the, um, and with the rebirth and, and reimagination, evolving, all that that you were talking about, it reminds me in the book, I use, people will notice that I use um, a symbol of an eagle and a symbol of a snake to pick, uh, break up certain paragraphs in different places. Mm. And the reason for that is in the Mexican culture, and I'm sure in many other cultures, the eagle represents strength mm -hmm. and the eagle is on our flag, you know, on the Mexican flag. And that is why I put the eagle in there. It represents strength, freedom, liberation. Um, and the snake represents rebirth. Mm -hmm. which was really important. So it's, uh, yeah, for anybody who ends up getting the book, look out for those symbols and where I put them in the book because they're placed very strategically. <laughs> oh, see, I'm all excited now. I'm definitely going to be looking for those because as soon as you said it, <laughs> as soon as you said the words, I was like, ooh, the Mexican flag. <laughs> it got me so excited for some reason. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Angela, there was another thing that you had mentioned earlier, which I do want to speak to a little bit more on, and that was yeah. this really beautiful openness in the family that happened. Um, so uh, the listeners may not know this, so I'll just share. And I was yeah. sharing with you before the show started. I actually am from Mexico. I'm, I grew up in and was born in Mexico City. So you know, I'm very much, and it's still very much a part of my soul, like the whole culture, the everything. And I do remember there's this really interesting dynamic I've always observed within the Mexican culture. And maybe, you know, I'm not trying to generalize, so please don't take offense to what I'm going to say, but it's just an observation from my own perspective. This yeah. is the idea that family comes first, second, and last, which is great but also too at the same time while we love that and we're always there to support one another and we're actually very seemingly close-knit there can be a tendency toward 
a, a little bit of codependency or a lot of codependency, depending who your family yeah. is, while at the same time, very much keep your mouth shut. Don't talk about things. You know, we're only going to talk about good little things. And I say good little things because in Mexico, we've this speech thing, this pattern that we do that we always say things are ito, you know, like chiquita, bonita, like, and that means little, like that's the best way I can explain it in English is that means little things. Oh, the little girl, the little boy, the, and it always is just, I think as a generational thing or as a cultural thing, I think that us Mexicans, we tread this very fine line between almost ah, people pleasing to the point where it becomes very much a shut down and we're totally closed off from everyone and everything, but yet also such candor that, um, and there's my accent showing up for you. <laughs> that, that was funny. I heard it. I was like, what? But such candor that, uh, that we affix ourselves to people and things and situations in a very codependent way. So I love that you shared that about your family because it, it, and if you would be okay with sharing a bit about your experience in that sense, I'd love it because it's just one of those things that I'm always really very interested in is that familial dynamic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I am so glad you brought this up. <laughs> so Mexican families and Latin families in general, right? It's, it's definitely embedded in our culture like you said, where family is absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. And you do anything for your family, you always stick by their side. Um, and there are positives and negatives to that. The positives are that you have this super rich community of people and a network and uh, just an enormous amount of love and support, mm -hmm. right? That will always be there. And there's no substitute for that. The second is that, the, so, sorry, the downside really is that there tends to be this, it's like a, a sense of you protect them no matter what. Mm -hmm. And that no matter what is where we can get into trouble because when abuse is perpetuated within a community and especially I'm right now I'm talking about the Mexican community we definitely have this tendency to well don't talk about it well yeah. I need to protect him well my loyalty is to him or her anyways so I'm just going to shut my mouth and not say anything mm -hmm. and it's this misplaced loyalty where you're afraid to, to break that silence because it's so embedded in you that you should be supporting and protecting this person no matter what. Yeah. And that was definitely something that was in our family, was misplaced loyalty and secrecy above all as well, right? What, there was this sense of, okay, you know, it, the truth is out, but let's still try to keep it as secret as possible. Mm -hmm. And that is harmful as well. And I understand why people 
tend to that because shame comes up, guilt comes up, but in the end, it just makes it worse. And there is this sense of, uh, yeah, of, of misplaced loyalty and, and keeping those secrets and the familial guilt can be very strong mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's very real. <laughs> Uh, my, you know, myself, yeah, this wasn't traumatic, but just growing up in Southern California, uh, this is a much lighter example, but growing up in Southern California, I lived in two different worlds. And I hear a lot of immigrants talk about this, right? When they move to a new country where they feel like they lived in two totally different worlds. Mm-hmm. One is the U.S. and the other is Mexico and their Mexican culture and community in the U.S. And that mm-hmm. is, was definitely my upbringing. And I struggled all the way through, I would say like post-college. And I, you know, sometimes even now, but not, I've worked, worked it out a lot over the last decade, but I noticed it really strong post-college where I had major family guilt and just major guilt inside that was very real. If, for example, I didn't go home for the weekend while I was (laughs) living at college (laughs) to go be with my family when it's a very normal experience in the U.S. to just stay at the university and hang out with your friends and build that strong community as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or, and guilt for not going to every quinceanera or every baptism or every wedding as I got older, you know, and was in college and wanted to do different things with my family. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's definitely very real. Uh, a big deal. Yeah. Yes. Deal in our culture. <laughs> and so that's why I was curious to hear that you, you had this opportunity to share with many members of the family as you were writing this book. Because it sounds as though there was this process through which you were able to break through a, a couple of those barriers. And um, so I'm curious to know how that showed up and then also what has come from it since, especially as now the book is out. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you were saying, it's the family. And so, yeah, okay, cool. We know, but like still keep it quiet. So curious yes. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So what was really beautiful to see was that the moment that my mom decided that she wanted to write this book, I like, I would say like 98% of the family and friends were on board. Mm -hmm. And they said, if your mom wants to write this because she was the one most sexually abused by my grandfather and the one most affected, uh, everybody just said, Hey, if Mary, if you want to do this, let's do it. I'm all for it. I'm down to, to, to talk to you, Miha, which means daughter, right? Mm-hmm. When they were talking to me, like my aunts or my uncles. Um, and everybody, I was actually quite shocked at how open and responsive most of my family was to the writing of this book. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that they didn't feel and maybe still feel nervous mm-hmm. about it, and nervous about the story being out there and people reading it because it is about our family. But the amount of support that I got was, I mean, just, I felt so enveloped in support. Mm. And that right there, again, shows you that familial support in the Mexican culture is where 
mm-hmm. when it is this beautiful sense of uh, of acceptance of what it is that you're doing. I mean, they will take you all the way to and and give you everything that you need. And that's what my aunts and my uncles did, mm-hmm. which has been just so nice to see and has definitely opened up a new level in our relationship of, of honesty and of respect, mutual respect, right? Both ways. One, my respect towards them for opening up. And I think their respect for me for willing to dive in and write the story and not be afraid to, to talk about this subject with, with everybody in our, in our family and, and close friend group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's a beautiful opportunity for us to at least flirt with the idea of opening up a bit more, holding more vulnerability, even within our families. Like I said, it's funny. And this may be something that happens all across the board, not just in Mexican families, but with everybody, right? That we do have this weird sense of, yeah, we're family, but no, we should never share the most intimate senses or intimate points of our lives ever because it's unsafe somehow. And we don't know, you know, sometimes opening up could potentially be the catalyst to heal Mm -hmm. an entire family and and then generations thereafter and that's why I think I resonated so much with you and your stories from the beginning um your family story I would say because to me it was this point of yeah we've got this burden that we are energetically and maybe even physically to some degree carrying within the nuclear family like within all of us as a whole And this gives a chance to shift it. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean it goes away. I mean, it's like trauma. You you know, those of us who've undergone trauma, we know that we work with it um, daily, constantly, devotedly with much love. And it's the same type of thing, but it shifts just so much, you know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think to add to that, this topic specifically about sexual abuse is it's difficult no matter what culture you come mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. and it happens in every culture in every class in every country no matter what yeah. nobody is exempt from this unfortunately and it is everywhere and it's not talked about as often <laughs> as it actually happens mm-hmm. and one thing that was was really cool to see was the men in my family, their willingness to speak out and how, how they spoke out to me as well, because in going back to the Mexican culture, and really you could say this about many cultures, but machismo is very strong in a lot of cultures. And there's this sense that they need to uphold a certain level of masculinity and this kind of conversation really broke those barriers down and allowed for yeah for a connection that just showed that being vulnerable 
is a powerful thing for a relationship and for the community and for the family. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that, that was really nice to see. And honestly, with a lot of these people that I spoke to with my aunts and uncles, for some of them, for a lot of them, actually, it was their first time speaking about this in wow. years, 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 years. So it's definitely something that people didn't talk about very often and that they held in their bodies. And there was a lot of release, a lot of crying in these conversations, laughter, Mm -hmm. anger, um, definitely a roller coaster of a little bit of everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another point of the healing aspect that I think we do shy away from is pain. And I get it. I mean, I really get it, but it's, so it's such a beautiful alchemizer because it really does allow us to to shift and transmute and evolve. And then to, you know, and and I can't say this enough, and we've had already a, a wonderful somatic healer on the show earlier this season on episode 36, Luis Mojica, who spoke about how that information gets stored in the body. And I talk about it all the time, just because what I've learned from yoga and from Reiki and all of the things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine carrying within your psyche, your soul and your physical body, the wounds, pains, emotions, etc., and, and energetic debris, not just of yourself, but of your family members and of generations of those family members. I mean, you're gonna feel that if it gets unearthed. Yes. And in one way or another, you do feel it. It's just that we've gotten really good at not seeing it it's we've gotten really good at avoiding it but it's there man I mean like those days where you just explode at the world for no good reason (laughs) that's something that's something you we just may not know what it is but it's there so that's super powerful and that's I think another reason there's many right but I think that's another reason why this work that you've beautifully put together with your whole family, I will say then, is so important for so many of us. And really the truth is, it goes to really giving us the sense of understanding that we have a voice. We have a voice and we can speak up and we can say, this is what happened. It wasn't okay. I'm ready to heal. Because if we don't looping back to what we were talking about earlier, that forgiveness of the self and the forgiveness of the situation or the person is not readily available to us. And by the way, there's also a choice to not. I do know that the idea of forgiveness can be heavy for some. So I will say this, you do have a choice not to forgive. There is a tethered energetic consequence to it, but you have that choice. So, you know, not to invalidate anyone at all, but I do think that that's, like I said, yet one more reason why this is important to, for, for us all to know we have a voice and we can speak up. Yes. Yeah. And one way that I like to put it is the, the beauty of speaking out, right? Because the, it really does encompass the whole journey of speaking truth and speaking out against abuse. Mm-hmm. there is so much beauty in it. And of course there's going to be so much pain in it, but my mom explained it best to me once where, you know, she's gone through an insane amount of trauma in her life. Yeah. 
And she said that one of the things that helped her stay sane throughout life was hanging on to all of the good things in life, no matter how small. Mm-hmm. And that right there, the beauty of speaking out, right? The beauty in life around you, whether it's looking out at the sky and loving the color that you see that day or somebody's laugh or, I mean, a a fruit that you enjoy or candy that you enjoy, whatever it is. And it doesn't matter how small, but just focusing your mind on the positive things as often as you can is a huge way to tether yourself to the beauty of it all when there is going to be so much pain. Mm -hmm. And there's actually this book. I don't know if you've read it. It's called the body keeps the score. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, it's an incredible book. And the author um, there's a quote actually that I want to read from it, but the author is, he's talking about trauma, right? And how the body keeps the score. The title says it all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he does a really beautiful job of explaining how we are our own healers Mm -hmm. and how we can actually heal our own trauma in our bodies through our minds. So anyways, his quote is, Mainstream is firmly committed to a better life through chemistry. And the fact that we can actually change our own physiology and inner equilibrium by means other than drugs is rarely considered. Mm. And that to me is a powerful one because it just goes to show how in how incredibly powerful our minds can be, which is something that, you know, I still try to, and will continue to try and tap into and practice in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I feel like I don't have, I, I think it's something I'll always chase, right? Something that you're probably always chasing in life. But I feel like I don't have quite the hold on my mind that I'd like to just yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like to think of that as we, we all of us are sort of permanently learning, you know, I think if we ever did master it, quote unquote, to use that specific word on purpose, we'd not be here. Like we'd be some kind of ascended being at that point, I think. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Yeah. There's actually this little tiny paragraph from the book I wrote, uh, Where Silence Ends, that kind of goes to that, that I'd love to read. Oh, please. Cool. Um, Yeah. So it says, Thankfully, the power of our own body, mind, and soul allow us to be our own healers. My mom, dad, abuelita, and paternal abuelitos have shown me that no matter our afflictions, our mindset can pull us out of the depths of darkness and into infinite fresh air. While the darkness is never far from reach, we can train ourselves to love and care for this fear with softness and grace. Mm. So that's just a quick little snippet. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's so important because we don't give our process enough of a chance or, 
or wait. You know what I mean? And that's part of the process. It's being able to be in grace with and for yourself so that you can then show up and yeah, this emotion or the situation or this trauma has taken place, but it isn't you. And to me, that's been one of the biggest lessons in my life is that no matter what, I am not my emotion. I am not my trauma. I am not my circumstances. I am not any of those things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yeah. Really goodness. separating yourself from that can be very liberating, but can also take time. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Like with all things. Yes, yes. <laughs> Baby steps. Well, Angela, we're kind of coming to end of our time for the show, but I'm going to keep you around a little bit longer so we can chat a bit about your ayahuasca experience. And that's going to be available for the listeners via the Patreon. Um, but before I let you go, any closing thoughts that you have specifically about your book? I would love for you to share those first. Absolutely. Yes. So the book is titled Where Silence Ends. Uh, My name is Angela Ruiz and my mom's Mary Ruiz. It is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, pretty much any major online platform that you'd like to order from. You can search it and find it there. And one thing that we're really excited for is that a portion of every purchase is going to be donated to providing therapy for survivors of childhood sexual trauma and specifically focusing on children to put children through therapy. So we just want to help as many people as we can and try and heal this kind of trauma in the world as best as we can. So that's our little contribution in addition to telling the story and hoping that people find even more strength than exists within them already to speak out and use their voice as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd say that that's huge. It's not little, it's beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you've done this work and that you continue to shine the light in that way. So everyone go support them, go support them, go buy the book, everything. And I love asking my guests what would be their own advice and how we can all become empowered and uplifted. Oh, that's a good question. Um, How to become empowered and uplifted? I would say find, I, I think I said this earlier, but find something that you absolutely love to do and just do it as often as you like, you know, something that brings you joy, something that empowers you. Um, Yeah. And, and just do it often. It doesn't matter what it is, gardening, dancing, listening to music, writing, meditating, swimming, whatever it is. But I think moving our bodies and, and using our minds outside of, our day-to-day rhythm and phones and technology is a huge way to uplift your spirit Mm -hmm. and and your mind yeah 
Agreed. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you. And then last but not least, we've heard about the book and everything, but where can the listeners themselves find you and your work and anything else that you might have in the works? Of course, of course. So if you go to uh, the title of the book, wheresilenceends.com, you'll be taken to the website and there are some really fun author photos of my mom and I in our hometown in Michoacan um, on there that you can take a look at. I will soon be uploading a snippet of the first chapter there as well that you can dive into and uh, yeah, some other goodies to take a look at. So wheresilenceends.com and then social medias, Instagram, Facebook at letter evolution. And it is uh, L-E-T-T-E-R and then the word evolution, E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you, Angela, so much. It's been such a joy. Thank you so much. And I hope, yeah, I hope people enjoyed the convo and got what they needed. (laughs) Welcome back, beautiful souls. And thank you for joining us on this journey into this really important conversation today. As always, if you have any questions about what you heard on the show or if you want a particular guest back or if you just want to reach out because you know that you are tired of doing all the things, the yoga, the meditation, all the things and still feeling stuck and want something so much deeper, some way to really embody and become the woman you were meant to be, then reach out to me so that we can work one-on-one. My email is info at yoursoulfulgoddess.com and it would be my absolute joy to work with you. Also, if you want to connect with me on social media and get to know me a little bit better, you can find me via Instagram at yoursoulfulgoddess. And if you just love the show, can't miss an episode, tell all your friends about it. Firstly, thank you. And secondly, don't forget that the show now has a Patreon page. So if you want the show to come back for a third, fourth, maybe even 20th season down the line, and if you want to show your love and support the show itself, then go on to patreon.com forward slash your soulful goddess and by subscribing, depending on which tier you pick, you also will be getting access to special interviews behind the scenes and so much more. So thank you again. Keep supporting us. And I will talk to you all again next Monday.